reading for today, September 21st, the first reading is out of God Calling. The scripture is John 14, 8. Lord, show us the Father, and it is suffices. It is sufficient for us. Let's pray. Lord, give us those listening ears and heart to receive what your word is telling us today, this day, just for today, Lord. We thank you for the supply of words, the supply of thoughts, the supply of ideas. And thank you for the power and the strength to do what the supply tells us to do. Any action for us to be taken. Thank you, Lord God, for the protein you give us to understand and to go and to move forward. In Jesus' name, amen. My children, says the Lord. Have I been so long with you, coming to you, speaking to you, and yet you have not known the Father? Your Father is the God and controller of a mighty universe, but He is as I am. All the love and the strength and beauty you have seen in me are in my Father. If you see that and know Him and me as we really are, then that's sufficient for you. It's really sufficient for you completes your life, satisfies you in all your your need, in all your contentment and your needs. See the Father, see me, and it is sufficient for you. This is love in abundance, joy in abundance, all you need. I once saw Jesus in compassionate love, walking among the crowds, bloody with his cross. He looked at me, demonstrated his love to me. I, I once again saw Jesus quenched in his blood, dripping from head to toe, holding the keys he just took from Satan, defeated him and all the demons in hell, and he was handing me the keys, putting it on my side of the fence. Amen. And that's true. And Jesus, the courageous one, did that for us. And now... <clears throat> September 21st, Meditation for the Day, 24-hour little book. In improving our personal lives, we have unseen help. We were not made so that we could see God. That would be too easy for us, and there would be no merit in obeying Him. It takes an act of faith, a venture of belief, to realize the unseen power. Yet we have much evidence of God's existence in the strength that many people have received from the act of faith, the venture of belief. We are in a box of space and time, and we can see neither our soul nor God. God and the human spirit are both outside the limitations of space and time. Yet our unseen help is effective here and now. That has been proved in thousands of changed lives. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that we may make a great adventure of belief, that our actions will show our believing. Even though if we don't feel like it or believe it, we act like it. I pray that my visions may be not be blocked by intellectual pride. I pray that I may believe, that we may believe as children believe, that the Father and is one with the Son, and they are one with us. They live inside of us doing their work, their prayers, and their compassion for others. Amen. (laughs) 
Thank you for coming on today's Bible study. Our college is all the way live. We're using kcm.org material. The book is called Faith to Faith, a daily devotional by Kenneth Gloria Copeland. Why did God create you is the title of today's teaching. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord God, and we press on, Lord God, to get the to know you, Lord, and to seek your face and to knock on your door, Lord, and to ask you, Lord God, help us today develop a better understanding, Lord God, and come closer to you, Lord God, and surrender and spend time with our Father, Lord God, that we may rejoice and be an inspiration, Lord, animated and enthusiastic about this world you created, our roles in it, and our gratitude for it. Thank you for that love that comes to us and it surely is coming, and it is flowing forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Why Did God Create You? by Kenneth Copeland. The scripture that he's using today is called, What We Have Seen and Ourselves Heard, We Are Also Telling You, so that you too may realize and enjoy the fellowship as partners and partakers with us. And this fellowship that we have, which is distinguishing mark of Christians, mark of Christians, is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, Amplified Bible. Man is something really special. He is made in the image of God. He is made to have fellowship with God. Some people get the idea that God made man so he has someone to dominate. But God is not a dominator. God is love, and love needs to have someone to give to. That's why God made man. He made him so he could give him his love. God could have given his love to the angels. He did that, but giving the angels didn't provide total fulfillment. Why? Because angels aren't made of his image. You're the same way. Let's say, for example, you have a puppy as a pet. You can fellowship with a little pet just as much, but when there comes a time when you need someone to talk to, there comes a time when you need to have communications on your own level. The reason you're like that is because you're created in the image of God. That's how he is. He has desire to fellowship with someone like you. Dare to believe you're something really special today. I dare you, double dare you. A one-of-a-kind creation made by God in His very own image. Dare to receive His love and dare to love Him back. Amen. As the children say, I double dare you. <laughs> Let's go ahead and read that now in the Amplified Bible, chapter Genesis 1, verse 26 to 31. The Amplified Bible, that's where we started. Let's go there. Thank you so much for being here with us. Genesis 1, 26-31. God said, Let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make mankind in our image after our likeness, and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the tame beasts and over all the earth and over everything that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image in the image of and likeness of God. He created him, male and female. He created them. 
And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, using all his vast resources in the service of God and man. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the land, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to all the animals on the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the ground, to everything in which there is the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, suitable, pleasant. And he approved it completely. And there was evening, and there was morning on the sixth day. The reason I read it all the way through was because I want to emphasize that God saw us made in his image, and he said we are suitable and pleasant, and he approves of us completely. And with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, saved us from sin, sickness, and disease, we are suitable and pleasant to ourselves, suitable and pleasant to others, because God has given that to us. We are very good, say I am good. Can you say that? I am good. Every time you're feeling bad or something, just say, I am good. I am made in the image of God. I am very good. I am pleasant. I am suitable. I have suit up for the journey. I got the blood of Jesus Christ covers us. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. All right. Amen. Okay, let's go ahead and move forward to... um, the 19th and a word about angels Kenny Copeland Psalms 91 11, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways Psalms 91 11. again for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. A commandment, a strong commandment. It's time to set the record straight. Angels are not kid stuff. They're not little fat babies with long blonde hairs and bows and arrows in their hands. Angels are big, strong warriors. They are real. They have swords. They are powerful. And if you are a believer, they are a vital part of your life. We see examples of what angels can do through all through the Bible. For instance, when the children of Israel were fleeing from Egypt with Pharaoh's army hot on their heels, the Bible tells us that suddenly the wheels of the Egyptian chariots got fouled up. They just quit rolling. Who do you think caused that? The angels, of course. They haven't retired since either. Angels are at work today just as they were always been. A few, a few years ago, in one of Israel's major wars, the enemy had their guns trained on Israel's cities. Those guns were the finest military equipment money could buy. They had a range of at least 20 miles and were equipped with electronic gun sightings for accuracy. But something very odd happened. Every time they fired those guns at the Israelites, they either overshot or fell far short of their targets. We know there was nothing wrong with the guns because later the Israelites captured them and fired them back at the enemy with perfect success. What happened? Angels, that's what happened. My friend, that isn't just a fairy tale. That's a real-life example of the involvement of angels in the lives of God's people today. And if you're a child of God, 
you have a right to expect God's angels to do the same kind of things for you. So start expecting. Say, thank you, Heavenly Father, for giving your angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. Once you've spoken that word of faith, stand fast. Don't fear. Don't waver. Just be patient and keep believing, and you will surely see the salvation of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's say it again all together. Say, thank you, Heavenly Father. For giving your angels charge over me in all my ways. Amen. Now let's run to chapter 12 of Acts, verses 1 through 17. Chapter 12 of Acts, 1 through 17. Twelve. 1 through 17. About that time, Herod the king stretched forward his hand to afflict and oppress and torment some who belonged to the church, the assembly. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when he saw that it was pleasing the Jews, he proceeded further and arrested Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread, the Passover week. And when he had seized Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers, of four each to guard him purposing after the Passover to bring him forward to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but fervent prayer for him was persistently made to God by the church assembly. That very night before Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers fastened with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared standing beside him and a light shone in the place where he was. And the angel gently smote. Peter on the side and awakened him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel, angel said to him, Tighten your belt and bind on your sandals. And he did so. And he did said to him, Wrap your outer garment around you and follow me. And Peter went out along following him, and he was not conscious that what was apparently being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed through the first guard and the second, they came to the iron gate, which leads into the city. Of its own accord, the gate swung open, and they went out and passed on through one street, and once the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I really know, and I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting to do to me. When he, at a glance, became aware of this, comprehending all the elements of the case, he went on to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose name was Mark, where a large number, surname was Mark, where a large number were assembled together and praying. And when he knocked on the gate of the port, a maid named Rhoda came to answer. And recognized Peter's voice, in her joy she failed to open the gate, but ran in and told the people that Peter was standing before the porch gate. They said to her, You're crazy, woman. But she persistently and strongly and confidently affirmed that it was the truth. They said, It is an angel. But meanwhile, Peter, outside, continued knocking, and when they opened the gate, they saw him, and they were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to keep quiet and listen, he related to them how the Lord had delivered him out of the prison, and he said, Report all this to James the less, and to the brethren, then he left and went to some other place. Now, as soon as it was day, there was no small disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. 
And when Herder had looked for him and could not find him, he placed the guards on trial and commanded that they should be led away to execution. Then Herod went down to Judea to Caesar and stayed on there. Now Herod cherished bitter animosity and hostility for the people of Tyre and Sidon, and their deputies came to him in a united body. And having made Blastus the king, Chamberlain their friend, they asked for peace because their country was nourished by and depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod arrayed himself in royal robes, took his seat upon his throne, and addressed the oration to them. And the assembly people shouted, It is the voice of God and not of man. And at once an angel of the Lord smote him and cut him down, because he did not give God the glory, the preeminence, and kingly majesty that belonged to him as the supreme ruler. And he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of the Lord concerning the attainment through Christ of salvation in the kingdom of God continued to grow and spread. And Barnabas and Saul came back from Jerusalem when they had completed their mission, bringing with them John, whose surname was Mark. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's go ahead and read a little bit of the Amplified Bible to get our full seven-course meal in here, please. And we're going to go to Psalms 18, which is 50 verses on that psalm. There's, that's one of the second ones with the longest psalms, I believe. And then Psalm 119. All right, Psalm 18. But I love the beginning of Psalm 118. It's, it's good to memorize. Psalm 18, David praises the Lord for rescuing him. Okay. These, these are words to a song that David comprise of. I love you fervently and devotedly, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and the one who rescues me. My God, my rock and strength in whom I trust and take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My high tower, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And I am saved from my enemies. Amen. I'm going to skip a little bit. In my distress, when I seem surrounded, I call upon the Lord and cry to my God for help. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry for help came before him unto his very ears. Then the earth shook and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains trembled. They were shaken because he was indignant and angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils, and fire from his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down, and thick darkness was under his feet. And he rode upon the cherub a storm and flew, and he sped on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his hiding place, covering his pavilion canopy around him, the darkness of the water, the thick clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness before him passed his thick clouds, hailstone and coals of fire. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstone and coals of fire. He sent out an abundance of lightning, flashes and confused, and routed them in defeat. Then the stream's beds of the waters appear, and the foundations of the world were laid bare. As your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils, 
He reached from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster. But the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he was pleased with me and delighted in me. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness, moral character, and spiritual integrity. According to the cleanliness of my hands, he has rewarded me. For I kept the ways of the Lord and have now wickedly departed from God. For all the ordinances were before me, and I did not put away his statutes from me. I was blameless before him, and he kept myself, I kept myself free from sin. Therefore, the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, moral character, spiritual integrity, according to the cleanliness of my hands in his sight. With the kind, merciful, faithful, loyal, you show yourself kind. With the blameless, you show yourself blameless. With the pure, you show yourself pure. And with the crooked, you show yourself astute. For you have enough and afflicted and humble people. For you save and afflicted and humble people. You bring down those arrogant fools with haughty eyes. For you cause my lamp to be lighted and to shine. The Lord my God illumines my darkness. For by you I can crush a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tested and is perfect and is faultless. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord, or who is a rock except our God, the God who encircles me with strength and makes my way blameless? He makes my feet like hinds feet, able to stand firmly and treat us safely on paths of testing trouble. He sets me securely upon the high places. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bowl of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation, and your right hand upholds me and sustains me. Your gentleness, your gracious response when I pray, makes me great. You enlarge the path beneath me and make my steps secure, so that my feet will not slip. I pursued my enemies and overtook them, and I did not turn back until they were consumed. I shattered them so that they were not able to rise. They fell, wounded under my feet. For you have encircled me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. You have also made my enemies turn their back to me in defeat. And I silenced and destroyed those who hated me. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them. Even to the Lord they cried, but he did not answer them. Then I beat them as fine as dust before the wind. I emptied them out of the, the dirt of the streets. You have rescued me from contentions of the people. You have placed me as the head of the nations. A people whom I have not known serve me. As soon as they hear me, they respond and obey me. Foreigners feign obedience to me. Foreigners lose heart and come trembling out of their strongholds. The Lord lives, blessed be my rock, and may the God of my salvation be exalted. The God who avenges me and seduces people, nations under me. He rescues me from my enemies. Yes, you lift me up above those who rise up against me. You deliver me from the man of violence. Therefore, I will give thanks and praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing praises to your name. He gives great triumphs to his king and shows steadfast love and mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. Amen. And because of Jesus Christ, we receive that prayer. We receive that anointing. 
we are good to go. Now let's go ahead and take a look at other Psalms before we finish our session. Alrighty. Let me see what are my favorite Psalms around here. Okie doke, let me keep going. Let me see this Psalm. A Psalm of David, Psalm 109. O God of my praise, do not keep silent, for the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful are open against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They have also surrounded me with words of hatred and have sought against me without a cause. In return for my love, they attack me, but I am in prayer. They have repaid me evil for good and hatred for my love. Appoint a wicked man against him and let an attacker stand at his right hand to kill him. When he enters into dispute, let wickedness come about. Let his prayer for help result only in sin. Let his days be few and let another take his office. Let his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Let his children wander and beg. Let them seek their food and be driven far from their ruined homes. Let the creditor seize all that he has and let strangers plunder the products of his labor. Let there be no one to extend kindness to him, nor let anyone be gracious to his fatherless children. Let his descendants be cut off, and in the following generation, let their names be blotted out. Let the wickedness of his father be remembered by the Lord, and do not let the sins of his mother be blotted out. Let them be before the Lord continually, that he may cut off their memories from the earth, because the man did not remember to show kindness but persecuted the suffering and needy man and the brokenhearted to put them to death. He also loved cursing, and it came back to him. He did not delight in blessing, so it was far from him. He clothed himself with cursing as with his garment, and it seeped into his inner self like water and like anointing oil into his bones. Let it be to him as a robe with which he covers himself and a sash which he is constantly bound. Let this be the reward of my attackers from the Lord and those who speak evil against me. But you, O God, the Lord, show kindness to me for your name's sake, because your loving kindness, faithful compassion is good. O rescue me, for I am suffering and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. I am vanishing like a shadow when it lengthens and fades. I am shaken off like the locusts. My knees are unsteady from fasting, and my flesh is gaunt. And without fatness, I also have become a reproach and an object of taunting to others. When they see me, they shake their heads in derision. Help me, O Lord my God. Save me according to your loving kindness. And let them know that this is your hand. You, Lord, have done it. Let them curse, but you bless. When adversaries arise, let them be ashamed. But let your servant rejoice. Let my attackers be clothed with dishonor. And let them cover themselves with their own shame as with a robe. I will give great praise and thanks to the Lord with my mouth. And in the midst of many, I will praise him for he will stand at the right hand of the needy to save him from those who judge his soul. Woo! Amen and amen. Now we do uh, one more psalm. Psalm 139, please. And we're good to go. O oh Lord... You have searched me thoroughly and have known me. 
You know, when I sit down and when I rise up my entire life, everything I do, you understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. And you are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there's a word in my tongue, still unspoken, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before. You have placed your hand upon me. Such infinite knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high above me. I cannot reach it. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed and shell, the netherworld, the place of the dead, behold, you are there. If I take wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remote parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will take hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me, and the night will be the only light around me, even the darkness is not dark to you and conceals nothing from you. But the night shines as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For you form my innermost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will give thanks and praise to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being formed in secret, and intricately and skillfully formed as if embroidered with many colors in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my own unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were appointed for me, when as yet there was not one of them even taking shape. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I could count them, they would outnumber the sin. When I awake, I am still with you. Oh, that you would kill the wicked, O God! Go away from me, therefore, men of bloodshed, will they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the perfect and utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. Search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thought, and see if there's any wicked or hurtful ways in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. Amen and amen, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God bless you, family. Give them heaven. And now for today's reading, September 13, Real Intercession. The scripture for today is Isaiah 59, 16. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Woo, that gives me chills up and down my legs, guys. It's uh, 2.30 in the morning. I could not sleep. I'm wide awake. And music is going off in my head. And it's a gospel song. Thank God, you know. And uh, I tr I'll, I'll play it for the rest of the days. When God does that to us people, when you come up with a spiritual song in the middle of the night, play it and play it the next few days because it is battleground to what a wave of the enemy is sending our way. There could be a blessing coming your way. We're ready for it. And there could be, a, we, we need to fight spiritually. There could be, a, so we're ready in season and out of season against the tactic of the enemy. 
And the Lord is always giving us His love and His words to combat. So whatever that song is, He He died for me. He paid the price for me. It's a gospel song by uh, a black brother. You know, one of these new guys. Um, and it's just beautiful melody. I, I, I love you too much to try to sing it. So let's get back to our study. Isaiah 59, 16. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. When someone hurt us, when someone hurts us, our natural human reaction is to strike back and to ask God to clobber them. Can he see this? But that's not God's way. I realized that one time when I was, some of my relatives of mine got robbed. Ah, they were such innocent people. I was praying about the situation and puzzled over it. Lord, I began to ask, why did you let this happen? Why didn't you just knock that thief over the head when he tried to do that? Suddenly, God enabled me to go back up to the situation and look at it with a spiritual instead of surely purely natural eyes. When I did that, I knew the answer to my question almost as quickly as I had asked it. It was because of His mercy. God has great, great mercy, not just for me and my family, but for others too. Think about that for a moment. Next time someone does you wrong, instead of asking God to clobber them in the head like I did, consider the fact that as honorary as they may be, He may well have a grandmother somewhere who's praying for them to be saved. Stop and remember that God loves them enough to die for them. That He is longing to pardon, not punish them. Then you can begin to pray for them instead of against them. Uniting yourself with a grandmother or anyone else who happens to pray for Him. You can go to the Lord for mercy for Him. And you can go up against the devil on His behalf. That's real intercession, and it throws the forces of darkness into total confusion. They have absolutely no defense against it. The Lord is looking for people who are bold enough, committed enough to do that. Dare to be one of them. When you're tempted to clobber someone, dare to change his life instead. Amen. Beautiful reading, okay? And we'll read the 14th. And we'll read the 14th. Take correction. Gloria Copeland. Scripture is Proverbs 9, verses 8 and 9 from the Amplified Bible. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instructions to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. There's one thing you can do that will accelerate your spiritual growth more than almost any other thing. Learn to take correction from the Spirit of God and from His people. So few believers seem to be able to do that. When their preacher gets in their pulpit and preaches about something they already know, about some aspect of life they already submitted to the Lord, they think He's great. They like Him because He makes them feel good. But the moment He stands up and begins to preach about something they're doing wrong, they take offense. God says that's foolish. He says in Proverbs 1 7, 
Only fools strike out at that or despise correction. So don't be like that. When your pastor or anyone else in the body of Christ has a word of correction for you, receive it gratefully. Appreciate those who share the wisdom of God with you. When someone points out somewhere that you missed it, instead of reacting against them, examine yourself and say, Is that right? Does that agree with the word? Do I need to make a change there? If the answer to those questions is yes, then make the changes you need to make to get your life in line. I know that's not easy. None of us like to be corrected. But if you'll make up your mind, you're going to receive that correction anyway. That you're going to remain teachable. You'll be able to go on and grow in spiritual things much more quickly. One man said, if you think you already arrived, you aren't going anywhere. Remember the next time someone corrects you. Love that person and thank him for speeding along your spiritual progress. If you do that, you'll come out ahead every time. Amen. One of the hardest things for us Christians is to, is to for me, is to learn uh, who's, a, who's a reprover, reprover, reprove, not a scorner, excuse me. Who's a scorner? And the word scorner is uh, who's an agitator, who's a... a can't say a judger because we are supposed to judge righteously properly as part of our human inheritance to be careful of dangerous people places and things and we have a good judgment the uh, the idea is we do uh, understand that the other the, the reprover and the scorner cannot learn they are infected with uh, you know with a with a wall and it's from childhood and even if seven wise people prove information to a a, rep- a scorner they're not going to change their mind that's what the Bible says and even if you hit the fool a thousand times in his back wow they didn't have to hit me a thousand times <laughs> how about you and with that let's go ahead and, sh- and shift gears right here real fast uh, since we're on the area of reading material today. I have a book I haven't read in a long time. I used to read it. Sometimes it, it hit me really good. I mean, it, I, it would speak to me, to my spirit, and fill my soul with goodness. Hopefully we'll hit a payload today. This one, this book right here is called Streams in the Desert, 366 Daily Devotional Readings by L.B. Cohen. And the story is that the husband was compiling all this and he died, and the wife finished it. And uh, she's the LB, which Linda or something. And this is from the 1800s, turn of the century, something like that. Here we go, September 14. If anyone should come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Mark 834. The cross that my Lord calls me to carry may assume many different shapes. I may have to be content with mundane tasks in a limited area of service, when I may believe my abilities are suited for much greater work. Greater work. I may be required to continue cultivate the same field after year after year after year, even though it yields no harvest whatsoever. I may be asked of God to nurture kind, loving thoughts about the very person who has wronged me and to speak gently to him and take his side when others oppose him. 
and bestows sympathy and comfort to him. I may have to openly testify of my master before those who do not want to be reminded of him or his claims. I may be called to walk through this world with a bright, smiling face with my heart is breaking. Wow, I don't know about that. This is just a suggestion and uh, an opinion. Uh, How about I may be called to praise and worship the Lord and give him thanks and praise for his triumph on the cross. How about if I put my eyes on the Lord instead of the people that are groping around? Yes, there are many. Sorry, that was my part there. Yes, there are many crosses, and every one of them is a heavy and painful. Okay, and there are many. There are many triumphs, folks, and many of them are exhilarating and fun and and ongoing. I mean, you can. Uh, I can do this same thing, a high five, and minister to people in Hawaii, which I've done. In the different islands, which I've done, enthusiastically and genuinely, um, passing out the word of God and, and uh, cheering people on of oh, the triumphant Jesus, and it's unlikely that I would seek out even one of them on my own. Yet Jesus is never as near to me as when I lift, lift my cross, lay it submissive on my shoulders, and welcome it with patience and uncomplaining spirits. You know that eventually the guy's going to blow it, right? <laughs> we have enough saints. He draws close to me in order to mature my wisdom, deepen my peace, increase my courage, and supplement my power. All the, my, See how he says, my power? It's really his power. It's his wisdom. It's his peace. Increase my power. Do I hear a sense of, in his writers, do I see a sense of poor me? you know, uh, working for my salvation. All this he he does so that through the very experience that is so painful and distressing to me, oh, poor child, I will be of greater use to others. Who is this guy? And then I will echo these words of one of the Scottish covenators of the 17th century in prison for his faith by John Graham of Cleverhouse. I grow under the load. I grow under the Lord. I grow under the load. Alexander Smelly. Smiley. S-M-E-L-L-I-E. Not Smelly. Well, all I got to say about that is uh, I praise under the load. I grow in praise under the load. I grow in love under the load. I grow in things, you know, anyway... You know what I'm saying. Like the Apostle Paul would say. See, that's why I don't read the book that much anymore. It's got good, little good on it, and then it's got stuff that it just doesn't sit well with me. And I got to call a duck a duck. I'm sorry. Life is too short. Jesus said, it is finished. The Lord says, I will dance around you and rejoice over you with my love. There's victory and triumph abound. All right, September 14th. Now, I'm going to read this and let me know what book I'm reading from. The second book says, Worship me by living close to me. This was my original design for man, in whom I breathe my very breath of life. This is my desire for you, that you stay near me as you walk along your life path. Each day is an important part of that journey. Although you may feel as if you're going nowhere in this world, 
Your spiritual journey is another matter altogether, taking you along steep, treacherous paths of adventure. That is why walking in the light of my presence is essential to keep you from stumbling. By staying close to me, your you present yourself as a living sacrifice. Even the most routine part of your day can be a spiritual act of worship, holy and pleasing to me. Amen. There you go. Now that brings us into true reality to the Gospels and to what Jesus has accomplished. And what I just read is based on Romans 2.7, Psalms 89.15, and Romans 12.1 and 2. Doesn't that stand and go down our spirits a little better? That is why walking in the light of my presence is essential to keep you from stumbling. Walking in the light of my presence. That was from Jesus Calling, guys. Sarah Young, of course. All right. Our next book is from the same thing, Sarah Young. This book is called Jesus Today. And she gives, on this book, she brings out the scripture she's using for the Holy Spirit speaking to us. The Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to learn the secret of being content in any area of situation. That's the Holy Spirit to us. So, But let's go ahead and put something in the hopper, in the engine, in the oven, in the motor, in the fuel line. And the, these three scriptures, let's put that in our spirits before we read the Holy Spirit's enthusiastic message towards us. Amen. Philippians 4.12, I know what is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty I have learned the secret of being content in any area in every situation whether we've well fed or hungry whether living in pleasant or in want Philippians 4 12 Psalm 62 8 trust in him and at all times O people pour out your hearts to him for God is our refuge trust in him in other words Lord, I had it with this situation, this neighbor. It just ticks me off. Every time I say hi for them for the last 10 years, they shun me, Lord. And I always try to be kind and enthusiastic, Lord. A good cocktail bomb would do fix them up. And then that thing subsides, and the next day I wave and smile. Okay, so that's the way it works for me. Rage and falling off a handle and screaming and yelling and as long as we do it in the in our house with our dad he that's that's what it means trust in him at all times and guys i know jesus didn't do this oh god why do i have to go to the cross is there any way you can change this or did he all right thank you lord jesus like i said it is 2 30 in the morning i'm hoping i get back to bed folks i gotta do some painting in the morning I'd rather be doing this and painting, but I have a friend that's uh, God sent him enthusiastic, wants to come early in the morning and help me finish the wall I've been repairing. Isn't that cool? Psalms 92, 1, verse 1 and 2 says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Again, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. And to sing praises to your name. We praise you. We glorify you, Lord. O Most High, the Most High, the Most High, the Most High, guys, to declare your loving kindness, hallelujah, in the morning, and declare your faithfulness every evening. 
Amen. Don't you want God's loving kindness in the morning? That friend of mine almost died of alcoholism. That friend that's coming over, I used to take him coffee at 5 in the morning and get him out of the 35 degree freezing, out of that bench, and let him go get in the, in the truck while the truck is warming, and he'll fall asleep for a couple hours while I take a walk and leave my truck running. And today, the, the man is strong through the mercy and the help of the 12-step program, folks. The church didn't have anything. The church didn't have accommodations to, to, to take care of them like that. It was people that put hospitals that take in these kind of people and they detox them. And then they put them into, into programs and so forth that lost their way, a businessman. And now the person is strong, doing good, got a job, looking for work, and wants to pay it back. And I'm so caught up on these books and these podcasts that uh, it helping me finish up the work I started. All right, one more reading. Thank you, God, for sending the person to help me as an expert in uh, masking and painting and, and enthusiasm for life. Get this the bathroom finish and the uh, just paint, new paint, folks, just to make it look a little, little more holier. Amen. Okay, the scriptures of God that I'm going to read right now are called A Guide for Life. It's from the uh, God's Promises for Your Every Need. Little book. Amen. And the first one is, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When you go, it shall lead you. And when you sleep it, it shall keep thee. And when you awake, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment, the word, is a lamp and the law is light. And reproofs of instructions are the way of life. Amen. Proverbs 6, 22-23. And folks, sometimes those reproofs of instruction has to be a two-by-four by a loving father. And you can experience that when you're when you're headed in the wrong direction. Ask him, if I'm heading in the wrong direction, well, use a two-by-four, Lord, for your love. Prove your love to me. Reproof. And if I don't learn, hit me, in the, hit me again with a two-by-four, Lord. So I may find the way, the truth, and the life and teach others the way, the truth, and the life. We might as well test it, see if I got it in me, if I am one of the elect, and I will listen and pay attention, Lord. Amen. Okay? It says, reproofs, it says, for the word of God is a lamp and the law is light. The commandment is a lamp and the law is light. And reproofs of instructions are the way of life. In other words, getting hit in the head and be instructed is the only the way some of us learn. Our next one is Psalm 119.11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Now there's something we can do. We're always saying, God is not doing nothing for me. He never does nothing for me. <laughs> and then right here, this is what we can do. What we're doing right here. We're listening to the word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Okay. Take the word of God and hold your breath with it. Ready? Ready? Thy word have I hid in my heart. Hold your breath. Hold it. Hold it. Thy word have I hid in my heart and in my breath. Keep it there. Ah, okay, now that word is inside of us. And that, it, 
I might not sin against the Lord. Who are you sinning to? You know, I'm not sinning to my brothers and sisters. I'm sinning against the Lord by speaking wrong, thinking wrong, behaving wrong. That's how I'm sinning. I should be praising right, uh, worshiping correctly, and uh, giving thanks unto the Lord. That's the right thing to do. Psalm 1911, Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Do we want great rewards? You betcha, we want great rewards. Who doesn't want great reward? God has instituted a great reward. I mean, don't let the preachers, because they were born with a silver spoon, take the great reward from you. They're, they're already comfortable, man. You know, life is part of work and getting a paycheck and expectancy. It's amazing that people have a, we have a, we have a strong opinion on the way that we should look at our finances. But then we have a stronger spirit opinion with our employer when we don't get our check or when we're going to cut down or when we want more, right? Oh, do we have a strong opinion on that one. All right, I'm meddling. I've seen it when I was in those works where all people get, they want their $20 another job to make them rich and make give them all the things and... And to me, the $20 job was just the mercy on that part for me to stay alive so I can get my college degree and make my own business and create my own empire. That's the process of having that, not settling, trying to get blood out of a rock of a service position. Come on now. Oh, I sound so intelligent and so judgmental and righteous, aren't I? <clears throat> okay, let's move on. Psalm 119.9 Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereof according to thy word. By taking heed. What is taking heed? I want some heed. It sounds like seed, huh? By taking seed thereunto according to thy word. Letting the seed in thy heart. Next scripture. John 8.31 and 32. I love these scriptures right here. Then Jesus said to the Jews which believed in him, believed in him, or willing to believe in him, or have consideration on him, or give him a hearing ear through the heart. If you continue in reading my word, then you are called my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There's something about the Word, guys, that elevates us and clears us of wrong thinking, and even spiritually and and in this world, and it just makes us wiser and Lord-loving and enthusiastic. So let's keep on doing what we're doing, folks. It's the best thing out there. I haven't found anything else better in this life. Booze didn't do it. Criticizing didn't do it. Being, how about trying being negative, right? Oh, yeah, the feelings of trying to be judgmental and negative. Did that do it? That doesn't work. We were made to be positive, happy, joyous, and praising God and running into the ocean water and swimming and floating and enjoying life, folks. Psalm 119.24, the testimonies are also my delight and my counselors. You know, talking about my friend coming over today, tomorrow, I've been wanting to hit some meetings around the uh, ocean before it starts getting cold. 
and the weather is starting to loosen up from when the, the Pacific is still warm right now from the hot, hot sun. And I may just tell them, hey, let's forget the paintings. Let's go hit our early meeting on the ocean on uh, Pacific Beach under Pier 11. You know, it's funny. I was at a meeting the other day, and one guy said, you know, I heard you say that two years ago that you were going to go to the ocean. And, oh, my truck uses $5 of gas every 10 miles, you know. And I'm being conservative, right? So maybe we'll throw some sandwiches or just get going to the, to the meeting, hit the ocean, swimming, then go back and hit another. These are 12-step meetings, folks. AA, they're, they're open on, and there's laughter. There's roaring laughter. There's roaring. We're drinking spiritual principles, spiritual words, testimonies, and we're enjoying people that we've never met, brothers and sisters that are in the fold, and blah, blah, blah. Let me finish my reading over here. Amen. That's a good thought, huh? I'll give you a report on that just in about three or four more hours. Because, we you know, we start early our work here, at least six in the morning to beat the heat. All right, 2 Peter 1.4 says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having been escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Amen. There's there's corruption in the world through lust, folks, and we will escape that by by understanding and reading these words, and we will be partakers of a divine nature. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Shalom, peace, brothers. Psalm thirty-seven twenty-three says, "The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and He delights in His way." See. We rejoice and give thanks. It's easier for God to to show us our steps and the way if we if we're enthusiastic, joyful, and we make a choice to be happy with Him for that day. Then it's easy for Him to order us, and He delights on the way. He gets excited. He doesn't want to be clobbering with a two by four all the time, like you know, like a dumb sheep. Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." You know, I was meditating on that scripture this morning on my bed, and I'm thinking, wow, why we're so dumb, we're so ignorant, you know? God makes it so plain that Jesus is the door, Jesus is the light, Jesus is the bread of life, Jesus is the truth, and all these things become that Jesus is trying to love us and get us into heaven. He says, uh, the sin of the world is they do not believe in me. They don't believe in him. You know, we have a, a stubborn nature that keeps fighting and we come up with all different kinds of religions and institutions and stuff. Psalm 32, 2, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go and I will guide you with my eye. I will, the Lord says, live inside you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We will teach you in how you should go. I will guide you with my eyes. So be enthusiastic and be loose as a goose and happy as a 
long-necked goose that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit live inside of us. Let us just relax and, re- and be ourselves. And once we got the word out, we have to be so scared that we're going to run into lust and sin. Psalm 23.3 says, He restores my soul and leads me in the path of righteousness for His namesake. He restores. Our souls are restored through Jesus Christ. We have come home. We're delighted in Him. Now He leads us in paths of righteousness. For What's the righteousness thing? Going to the ocean and enjoying God's ocean is righteousness. Being going to a meeting Early in the morning, the sun's coming up. We do this in Hawaii. Getting the Pacific, touching the water and say, I will be at the other side of, the, of these waters and before the, the winter falls in. I think it's going to come in about seven or eight days. Or fall, excuse me. I'll be prophesying. I'll be, be like Moses. Oh, water, open up. All the way to Hawaii. I'll be at the Pacific coast. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Isaiah 30, 21 says, And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Go to Seal Beach. Walk you in it. When you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left, I will show you and restore you. The reason I'm emphasizing on that, folks, one time I, my car broke down on Highway 5 overlooking the Pacific Ocean on the little hill. I sat down with a bottle of water and I was joyful. And I said to the Lord, it's going to be fun to see you how you're going to get me out of this. And I looked up and I smelled the ocean and I was meditating on the huge ocean. And then I heard the voice of God say, when was the last time you enjoyed my ocean? He said to me, I was running back and forth trying to achieve this license, that license, this, this, this. Just running healthy scalp like I've been doing since the 80s. Yep, folks, I think I talked myself into it. Got plenty of, uh, got all kinds of resources, soda, ice. Man, I'm ready. We're ready to rock and roll and go meet some and have, uh, have an experience that others can be delighted on. Others will hear in the meeting, and they will be delighted. My friends will be delighted that I've done good to my soul by going to the ocean. You know, it's just good testimony to tell people that you're enjoying God's life. You know, my mama was always said, Mama, use your money in the house. Don't leave it to us. Get out there and, and let's go places. You know, I'd rather have you blueprinted in my mind of you enjoying your life, meeting people, doing things, and appreciating God's earth, his many, many fine qualities that he built for us to enjoy. Streams, lakes, mountains, deserts and hills. In Luke 1, verse 70 and 79, as he spoke by the mouth of holy prophets, which have been said, the world began, has been since the world began, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful. And Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. There it is. That you shall make your observe, absorb, 
Then I will observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way. You shall make your way prosperous. Who will? As soon as I observe, I observe, I observe. In other words, the words penetrate my soul. Then I, I can walk according to that written therein. For then, this is what I can do. I can make my way prosperous. And I shall have good success because I have the, the prosperous word inside my heart like we're having now. These words are good. You should listen to them over and over again. Get it in your spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Our last scripture is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for two by fours, for correction, for enthusiasm, for instruction in righteousness, instruction with happiness, that the man of God may be happy and perfect, thoroughly furnished with enthusiasm and power for all good works. In Jesus' mighty name. Go in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I bless you. I pronounce the Aaron blessing upon you. The blessings of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. May the Lord smile on you and be happy for you smiling at him and being happy with him. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Reading for First John, New King James Bible. That which from the beginning, that which was from the beginning, which was we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare it to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. <clears throat> but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Chapter 2. My little children, these things I write to you, that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And he himself is the appropriation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. If he says, I know him, he who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. <clears throat> but whoever keeps his word, <clears throat> truly <clears throat> the love of God 
is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which things is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his namesake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young man, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world... The love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you, you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie. And just as it taught you, you will abide in him. And now children abide in him and when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming if you know that he is righteous you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him behold what manner of love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of god 
Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who is the, has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. If you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor knows him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of Man would manifest it, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. In this, the, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifested. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brother, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are the truth, we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Beloved, if our hearts does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is the commandment, His commandment, that we should believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the Father's commandment. And love one another as He gave us commandment. To love one another. Chapter 4. Now he who keeps his commandment abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits where they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. 
And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard from that is coming and now is already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. And the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another. Before, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for love is God. For God is love. And this is the love of God. What was manifested towards us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we should. And this is the love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent his son, only son, begotten into the world that we may live through him. And in this is love. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the appropriation for our sins. Beloved, if God so love us, we should also ought to love one another. No one has seen God any time. If we love No one has seen God any time. If we love one another, Amen. No one has seen God any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified <coughs> that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and, in, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And, and this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must, must love his brother also. Amen. Chapter 5. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that believes, and everyone who loves him, who begot also loves him, who is begotten of him. By this we know the love 
By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Hallelujah. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by spirit and blood. And if it's, and it's, it is the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth. For there are three who bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the, the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who abides in the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Amen. You bet. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we ask anything that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have that we have the petitions that we have had asked of him. If anyone sees his brother sinning in which it does not lead to death, he will ask and he will be given him life for those who commit sins not leading to death. There's a sin leading to death. I do not say that all should pray about that. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that all things, we know that all, that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us eternal life. We know. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us eternal, has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Greetings. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, give us ears to hear and expect a miracle, Lord. 
Father, you said in your word that you supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If we should have it, and yes, Lord, we shall have it, and it will surely come. We are expectant of it, Lord, whatever we need. We thank you for today's teaching from Oral Roberts. God bless him. He's in heaven, but his Holy Spirit anointed voice is still here with us. This is a recording from 1955. Amen. Now then, I want you to turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Acts. I'm going to read tonight from the book of Acts, a very, very powerful part of the Word of God. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. You must expect a miracle if you want it to happen. On the main street of the Bible, Miracles were always happening. That's because people were expecting them to happen. They were looking for them to happen. They were believing God for them to happen. On the main street of the Bible, people expected God to take a hand in their lives, to speak, to move, to stretch out his mighty hand and, and display his supernatural power. They expected him to perform miracles, to set them free. They opened their minds to his miracle-working power, and miracles were the practice. It was a fascinating time to be alive. And friends, once again, we are living on the main street of the Bible. Once again, faith and expectancy are in the air. Everywhere people are turning their attention back to God, and there is a tremendous resurgence of faith in the human heart around this globe of ours. And because of this expectancy, miracles are beginning to happen again. Miracles of healing, miracles of deliverance, miracles for soul, mind, and body, miracles for circumstances. It's a fascinating time to be alive. Now I want you friends here in the tent, when you open your Bibles, realize this. We can live on the Bible's main street today just as they lived on it 2,000 years ago. Let me tell you something that happened. In our Phoenix, Arizona campaign, a woman brought her little afflicted boy. Her little son had been born with club feet, and he was wearing some specially made shoes that night, as he had been doing for years. I noticed as she brought him to me that she had a brand new pair of shoes in her hands. I called her up to me and I said, what are you doing with those new shoes? She said, Brother Roberts, red big old tears swelled up in her eyes. She said, Brother Roberts, I brought my child to you tonight for prayer. He was born with these club feet and we've had to build him special shoes all his life. And I believe when you pray for him, God's going to heal him. And when he's healed, I know he can walk normally. I'm going to take off the old specially built shoes and lace up these brand new shoes on his feet and he's going to walk off this platform tonight. Well, it just struck fire in our hearts. I called the great crowd in the tent to pray with me for this child and God in his mercy that night heard our prayer. The power of God came on the child and he was healed. His mother reached down and tore those shoes off his feet and threw them winding out in the audience. Then she took him in her arms 
and she laced those new, new shoes up on his feet. She said, son, get down here on the platform and walk. And he took a step, and his feet were as straight as they could be. He took another step, and he found he could walk, and he began to run. Oh, it was a beautiful sight. <laughs> and I called the mother back to me. I said, sister, did you expect God to heal that child? She said, Brother Roberts, I was looking for it to happen the moment you prayed for him. People, if you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You've got to believe God for it. And if you look for it, expect it, and believe it, God will do it for you. What does expectancy mean? It means an intense desire, a longing, a reaching for it, so that when the miracle comes, you recognize it. You reach out and take it and accept it into your life. And without this expectation, God cannot do very much for you. Yet on the other hand, when Jesus of Nazareth came back to his own hometown, Nazareth, we have recorded in the Bible one of the most tragic statements ever written. He could do no mighty work in Nazareth because of their unbelief. He had been raised in that town. Now he comes back to Nazareth. He presents himself. He stretches forth his hand to heal their sick and to set them free. They were not expecting miracles. They were not believing for the power of God. They saw him. The miracle approached. The miracle offered itself. The miracle passed by. And they received nothing. It takes a whole lot to have faith. To expect something. To open your mind and heart. And to let God come in. Never let it be said of you as it was of Nazareth. He could do no mighty work because of their unbelief. And yet, the Bible is full of examples of expectancy and expectant faith. Elijah, the mighty man of God, broke the drought in the land of Israel. The drought had been upon the earth for three and one half years. The earth was cracked open and the people were starving. Elijah went on top of Mount Carmel, put his head between his knees, and told his servant, you go look toward the sea, because he was expecting something to happen. The servant said, I see nothing. He said, you go look again seven times. The word seven is a perfect number. In other words, you just keep looking until you see something. Now that's what real expectancy is. And the seventh time, the servant returned and said, Elijah, I see something, but it's mighty small. It's a little cloud rising out of the sea like a man's hand. But Elijah was expecting. He leaped to his feet. He saw the cloud and knew it was a rain cloud. And said, you go tell Ahab, he better get his parasol. It's going to rain. And it did rain because he was expecting. He was reaching. He was looking. He was believing. And it happened. If you want a miracle, you must expect it to happen. And speaking of Elijah, the young servant of Elijah was Elisha. And when it came time for God to translate Elijah and for his mantle to be given to another and a double portion of his spirit to be received by someone else, he was testing his young servant. He said, now, son, you stay here. The Lord's called me to go over here. The young man said, as the Lord thy God lives and as thy soul lives, I will not leave thee. And he went with him. Do you know why? Because Elisha was expecting. He was believing that any moment God would translate his master, the mantle would fall, the double portion power would be offered, 
And if he was there, he could get it. He was looking for it to happen. And then all of a sudden, the mantle of Elijah slipped off his shoulders, came back down and hit the ground. Because Elisha was expecting it, he recognized it. He got it because he was, he was expecting it. He was looking for it. People, if you want a miracle, you've got to expect it. And now I come to that moment when I tell you the story of the healing of the lame man at the beautiful gate. They had carried him daily to the gate of the temple of God and laid him on the ground where he begged for a living. One day Peter and John, these men who had been with Jesus, came walking by. They stopped and said to the beggar, look on us. And this man looked up expecting to receive something of Peter and John. First he expected money. And then they said, we don't have any of that. We know that they were preachers, don't we? They said, we don't have any money, but such as we have, we give you. And then the expectancy of the beggar changed. He no longer expected money. He expected what these men could give. And what could they give? The healing power of Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, glory to his name. And they said, sir, we don't have any money. But such as we have, we give thee. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He leaped and walked and went running into the temple of God. All because he expected. His expectancy for money changed into expectancy for what these servants of God had to offer, which was the healing power of Jesus of Nazareth. Friends, I could talk a long time tonight, but there's only one thing important to know about receiving the miraculous power of God, and that is to be in a state of expectant faith, to believe it. You know, there are three things that happen when you expect. One, you recognize it when it comes by. Second, you reach forth and take it. And third, you just receive it into your heart. Listen to me. I want you to get off the side streets and the back alleys of unbelief and get on the main street of the Bible because you must expect a miracle if you want it to happen to you. And it can happen to you right now if you will expect it and believe for it. Let every head be bowed. Oh God, in the name of your son, Jesus of Nazareth, hear me tonight and save the souls of men and women in this great audience. May they change their way of living and be saved by the power and the blood of Christ in thy name. Let every head remain bowed, please. And now, I want every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl who believes in my prayers and you want my prayers for your soul to be saved, that you may change your way of living, that you may live for God, and you want me to pray for you to be saved tonight, take the first step, please, in his name right now, and raise up your right hand quickly. Raise your hands up quickly. Oh, that's wonderful. Hundreds and hundreds of hands. Take your hands down. Now, will you take the second step and obey God? I want every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl who raised your hand for me to pray for your soul tonight, take the second step, please, in his name right now, and stand on your feet for my prayer. Please stand right now. And they're getting up all over this tent. Do not sit back down. 
would come down the aisles. Right now, please, and stand before me for the prayer. Come down the aisles. Oh, they're coming. That's wonderful. Keep coming, please. Keep coming. I'm going to pray for these people here in front of me, a very large group tonight, for them to be saved. And I want to pray with you there in your home right now that you may give your heart to God and be saved. I want you friends here in front of me, raise your right hand. And you friends there in your home, slip up your right hand now and repeat this prayer that you may be saved and give your heart to God. Ready, please? Ready? Now you say this prayer too. Oh God, oh God. Be, merciful be merciful to me, a sinner. Save my soul from all sin and come into my heart. Make me thy child. I receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior to live for God the rest of my life. In his name, amen. Did you mean that? Did you answer me? Say amen if you meant it. Did you mean it there in your home? Listen to me. As you sat there in your home and repeated this prayer, do you feel better in your heart? Do you feel like you've accepted Christ? If so, I want you to write me this very day and let me know. Write me so I can help you further. I will send you a little tract that will tell you how to know that you are saved. Just write me Oral Roberts, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'll answer your letter by return mail. Write me Oral Roberts, Tulsa, Oklahoma and let me know if you were saved there in your home tonight. Now. Brother DeWeese is coming to call the healing line. And I'm going to send our friends in front of me out to the prayer tent to pray that they may know they're saved. And then in a moment, I'll be back and pray for the sick. Nineteen fifty-five, Oral Roberts. God's man for this hour, the Reverend Oral Roberts. And now I invite your attention to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter fifteen, beginning to read at verse twenty-two, a very interesting portion of the Bible. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, unto Jesus, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. And now I wish to speak to you on this subject. Healing is not a luxury, it is the children's bread. And you know when this idea 
that Jesus did not bring healing as a luxury, but that he was the children's bread uh, began to be spread abroad, there came a little Gentile woman out of the coast of Phoenicia. She had a little demon-possessed child, and she came up and cried to Jesus, Lord, my little girl is demon-possessed. The demon has possessed her and made her what he is. She's not normal in her body or mind or spirit. She's afflicted in mind and soul and body. But the Bible says he answered her not a word. She then turned to his disciples and they thrust her away. She came back to Christ and cried unto him again. He said, woman, I've uh, been sent on to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But still she held on. And then when she had used every resource and had been rebuffed by Christ and his disciples, she just fell back on the one prayer which always works. She said, Lord, help me. And friends, when you run out of anything else to say, just say, Lord, help me. And that will get the job done. Jesus just can't turn you away. He said, woman, it is not meat. It's not right to give the children's bread to dogs. Now, this seems like an insult. But really it wasn't because Jesus is the most courteous of men. It was really an open door. Actually, Jesus was saying, woman, enter this door, providing she was ready to enter. You see, the Jewish people were thought of as the people of God, and they looked down upon the Gentile race as a nation of dogs because they were pagan, materialistic, vicious in their, in their attitude. They were always fighting and warring, and their brutality was known everywhere. So the Gentiles were known as dogs. He said, woman, it's not right. You come up here asking for healing for your child. It's not right to take the children's bread and give it to a dog. And then it dawned upon her. The full impact came to her. She said, Lord, I know I'm not a child of God. I know that I haven't been living right. I know that I'm not one of your children. But Lord, if a master in Israel is willing to take the crumbs and the scraps and give it to his little dog under the table. Lord, if I can't have the children's bread, if I can't have a, a, a healing that you'd give your children for my child, Lord, may I have a crumb? May I have a crumb for my daughter? He said, oh, woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt and her daughter was made whole from that hour. Now, she gained something for us. She opened up the world for millions of people who feel that healing is a luxury only for a chosen few. What did she bring to all mankind? First, healing is the children's bread. The second thing that the Syrophoenician woman understood and brought to all mankind through her faith in Jesus Christ is that healing is not only the children's bread so that we can have daily healing, but healing is for everyone who will become one of God's children. Make no mistake about this. When you come to God, you must change your ways. She was heard to say, Lord. And she had never called any man Lord before except Caesar. But now then she transfers her allegiance from a man to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. 
And make no mistake about it, friends. You may be wicked when you come to God. You may be unworthy of the healing because of your sins. But when you come to Him, you must believe Him and repent of your sins and become one of His children. Healing is the children's bread. That's right, it is. But it is the children's bread. It's the bread of the children. It is not the bread of the wicked. It is not the bread of the sinner. It is not the bread of the fool who says there is no God. It is the bread of the children. Healing is daily. And healing is for people who become the children of God. And then third, she showed us something that's so highly important for us today. She showed us there is no distance in prayer. Now she came in behalf of her little girl who was at home possessed with demons. The child was not present with the Lord. The mother had come to plead the cause of her baby, her own daughter. Her mother came crying, pleading, believing, holding on. Shall we go get the child Jesus and bring it to you? No. Oh, woman, he said, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And the daughter was made whole from that hour. When the mother believed, when she held on, Jesus said, oh, woman of great faith. Great faith then is refusing to be denied. It is rejecting the no. It is holding on and saying, Jesus, I will not be denied. That is great faith. A lot of people have some faith. Many people have little faith. For Christ spoke to his disciples once and said, O thou of little faith. He only spoke to two people in the Bible and said they had great faith. One was the Roman army captain, the centurion, who said, Lord, it's not necessary for you to come in my house to heal my servant. Speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. And Jesus said that he had not seen such great faith, no, not in Israel. And the second was this Syrophoenician woman, when he said, O oh, woman, great is thy faith. And in both instances, both people, the Roman army captain and the Syrophoenician woman, both of them recognized there is no distance in prayer. There is no distance in prayer. You don't have to go anywhere or be in any specific place. It is not the posture of the body or the location of you in some part of the earth. It is the believing of the heart. It is faith in God. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Healing is the children's bread. There's daily healing for us all. But healing is the children's bread in that we must become God's children to receive it. There is no distance in prayer. And you know, in 1947, when the Lord spoke to me and said, Son, from this hour you will heal the sick and cast out devils by my power, I had no conception of the immensity of God's plan. I didn't know how good God is. I didn't know how big God is. I didn't know that, that I could step out and someday I would stand before an assembled multitude like this and be preaching to millions of people in their homes through television. I didn't know that, that I would stand up and I could say that healing is for everybody. I didn't know that. I didn't know whether God would offer healing to everyone or not. 
But as I began to read the Bible and study Jesus, I began to realize that Jesus doesn't do something just for one person, but what he does, he offers to all mankind. And you know, when I stand up here and tell you that God will save you, God will heal you, God will bless you, God will do these wonderful things for you no matter who you are or where you are, it makes me feel as tall as a mountain. Or it just makes me feel good. Just thrills me to know that God I serve, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, loves you so very much. And if Jesus loves you so very much, surely you are ready now to believe him, to receive him, and to receive the healing for body, mind, and soul that God has for you. Would you reverently bow your heads, please? But now while every head's bowed, take the first step, please, in his name. I want every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl who believes in my prayers, and you want my prayers for your soul to be saved, that you might become one of God's children. You want me to pray for you, for you to be saved now. Take the first step, please, in his name right now, and raise up your right hand quickly. Raise your hands up high, please, up high. Raise your hands up high, up high, please. Literally hundreds of people. Take your hands down. Now you've taken the first step, will you take the next? I want every man, woman, boy, and girl, without exception, to raise your hand for me to pray for you to be saved in this service. Take the second step, please, in his name right now, and stand on your feet for my prayer. Please stand right now. And they're getting up all over this audience. That's wonderful. Keep getting up. Keep getting up. People keep getting up. There's so many of you tonight that need to stand and give your heart to God. Keep getting up, please. Remain standing. Every head bowed except the people standing and you look on me. I'm so glad you're standing. This is God's night to save you. We have a place in front of me here at the platform where you may come up and stand and I'm going to pray for your soul. Don't sit back down, but step out in the aisle and come down in front of me, please, for prayer. Come on. And they're coming down every aisle. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And now while these many hundreds of people come down the aisle to stand before me to pray the sinner's prayer, I want you there in your home to join them with me. I want you to give your heart to God. It's not hard. If you're sincere, if you'll pray sincerely and believe in the Lord, he'll save you and he'll save you now. Each one of you standing in front of me, raise your right hand. Please raise yours there in your room. Let's all pray together. Ready? O oh Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I repent of my sins and believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I receive him as my personal Savior. Live for him forever. In his name, amen. If you meant it, say amen. Say praise the Lord. Listen to me, if there in your room you feel better, you feel good in your heart, you feel that wonderful spirit of Jesus, and you feel he saved you, would you please take a moment to write me a letter and say, Brother Roberts, I was saved through your prayer. Just write me, Oral Roberts, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I want to know about it, and I'll write you a good letter and encourage you and tell you how you may know you're saved and tell you how to stay saved the rest of your life. My address is Oral Roberts, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm anxiously waiting to hear if you got saved. 
Now I'll be back in a moment to pray for the sick. I'm ready now to start praying for the sick in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I would like to point out that we believe in medical science just as you all do. We believe that people should do for themselves, what for them, and what they know to do. But we also believe that God heals by prayer. He's called me to pray for people, and I thank God for all the people he's been healing in this campaign. I ask you to open your heart. God can heal you there in your chair here in the audience. He can heal you there in your room or your home. Let's open our hearts and believe Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you believe that audience? Say amen. amen. Good, I'm ready to pray. William Brooke of Taft, California. Hello, Bill. Hi. A ruptured disc in your back, what's that? Well, I don't know, it's uh, just a ruptured disc, all I know, and it's very, very painful. I'm down sometimes, I have to have help getting up, and I'm just practically disabled at times. Bill, do you have faith? Yes, I Put do. Put your hand on your back. That's what it takes, is faith in God. Lord, he heal him. Bend over and touch the floor in Jesus' name. You can do it by his help. Oh, brother, I, you really can. <laughs> Bill, how long has it been since you did that? It's been quite a while. It's been quite a while. Did you have any pain when you've been over there? No, I never God bless you. I'm just so proud to hear it. Praise God. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand offering, will you? Who are you? Doris Satora from Ventura. And you're a member of the Lutheran Church? Yes. We're so pleased you're here. Well, I'm so glad to be here. We look forward to it so long, my oh. husband and I. Oh, your husband? And my pastor told me to come. Your pastor of the Lutheran Church told you to come? Well, now, why did he do that? Because he has faith. He said you were truly a man of God. Well, give him my sincere thanks for such kind words. His name is Reverend Doley. Well, I'm so proud to hear that and give him my sincere greetings in Jesus' name. I... Now, I understand that you're afflicted in your body, you're, you're crippled in your spine. Uh, feeling is gone from your hands and face. Is it a form of paralysis? No, not entirely. I, can, I can't comb my own hair. I can't button. I can't do things like that. And I have no feeling, Brother Roberts. That's the most important thing. Yes. I burn myself, and I have no feeling. I don't know when I burn it till I see the blister. Oh, and that's and why you have the blisters on your hands now. You, my face, I don't feel. You my feel nothing neck, in your face? Breast, and both hands. And it's a spreading disease. <sighs> Jesus, hear me. And heal. Heal! Life is coming into you. Open and close your hands. Hold them up. Open and close them. when I felt it. Then, when I touched your face, I feel it again. It's coming into your face, coming into your hands. It's coming in. Ma'am? Yes, it feels good. The moment I touched you on the side of the face, I knew it was coming. 
<laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Sister, I'm more thrilled than you are to know that this power can be transmitted from a Christian to another person. It just thrills me to see you getting healed. And sister, you're getting healed. And that feeling really feels good, doesn't yes. it? Oh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And God bless your pastor and your church and you. And I'm so pleased. I'll that tell him. Yes, yes, God bless you. Oh, praise God. Little lady, are you up here by yourself? You're here by yourself and tell me what's wrong, Judy. I have a dislocated hip. How long has your hip been dislocated? Oh, about five months, I think. Five months? And how did it happen? Um... The um, adrenaline gland isn't functioning properly and it's not lubricating the joint and it's slowly slipping out and the bone is slowly slipping out of place. You sound like a doctor. <laughs> the doctor told me. I see. You are Judy Tinker, yes. 2054 Woodland Road, right. Santa Ana, California. Yes. Is that right? Do you believe God can heal that dislocated hip? Oh, man? I know he will. I've seen so many people healed. You know he will? Yes. Oh, fine. Put your hand on your hip, little lady. Audience, pray with me. Jesus of Nazareth, we ask for the healing miracle for thy child. Heal the gland and heal the dislocated hip. Raise your legs up and down one at a time, please. Why are you smiling? I know it. I felt it. I know it happened. I can't get over. I know it happened. <laughs> well, you want to do that again? Oh. Does that feel that wonderful? Oh, yes. Well, let yes. me see you walk right off, just perfect and normal. How about that? Let's give the Lord a praise, will you? young man, 29 years old, stuttered. Jesus, will you heal the stuttering tongue? Ernest, how long have you stuttered and stammered? Since I was a child. What? Since I was a child. You still stutter, don't you? Some. It's been pretty embarrassing, I guess. It has. Are you able to hold your job? Yes. What do you do? Uh, cabinet work. You do cabinet work. You don't have to talk too much to people. No. Therefore, you can hold that kind of a job. God, you just hear me for this man. Dear God. Ernest Stewart. Tell me your name. Ernest L. Stewart. Open your eyes and say it. Ernest L. Stewart. Say, so I will talk. I will talk. And not stutter. And... I will not stutter. I'm free. I am free from stuttering. <laughs> Praise the Lord. How do you feel? Wonderful. Makes you feel good? Amen. Do you know how many people are here? Thousands of people, and you usually get scared. People. You get scared in crowds, and you can't talk. Amen. Here you're talking for all this crowd. That's right. How you feel? Wonderful. Wonderful. I feel free. Feel free. That's right. How's your tongue feel? My tongue feels loose. Feels loose. Well, sir, I'm just so proud to hear it. God bless you. Go serve him with all your heart. This young man is Don McCracken of Fullerton, California, member of the Four Square Gospel Church. He has a rheumatic heart, and he's hard of hearing. We're going to pray for Don at this time. Audience, lay your hand on the back of the chair as a point of contact as if your hands were found Don. 
Oh God, we pray for the rheumatic heart. We ask that it be healed in the name of Jesus. We ask that you open his ears and heal the heart of... John, you're really hard of hearing. Come here. I didn't know it was so serious till I put my hands on you. Jesus... Mm, some hearing came in your left ear. Real good. Turn around, son. We'll see. Uh, put your finger in your right ear first. Give us your name and address. Don, uh, 215 North Berkeley, Florida, and, California. And your name? Don McCracken. Now put your finger in this ear. Now say, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Now take your, your hands out and repeat after me. I love you, Jesus Christ. I love you, Jesus Christ. With all my heart. With all my heart. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Son, did you know you were hearing a whisper then? Tell you were hearing a whisper? Yes. I was about eight feet away. Was it clear? Yes. Step right over there where those boys are. Say, I love you, Lord. Amen. Praise God. Are you hearing me all right, son? Come back over here. Did you hear that whisper all right? Yes. Say, praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How are you feeling your soul? Fine. Are you a Christian? Yes, I am. You're really working for God? Yes. What are you going to do for the Lord? I'm going to try and work for him. Try and work for him. God bless you. Let's raise our hands now and just praise the Lord a minute, please. Friends, I come to the moment now which gives me such great personal pleasure to reach forth my hand and pray for you there in your home. Yes, I wish that you could be here in person in the tent. But if you cannot come to our meetings in person, let me have this opportunity to pray for you in Jesus' name. There's no distance in prayer. I can pray here. God can heal you there, providing we believe. Now, Lord, I come to thee in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Honor now the prayer of thy humble servant and fill this place with thy healing virtue and delivering power. Let the Spirit of God come upon the people and heal them from the crown of their head, the soles of their feet. And now, my brother, I reach forth my hand to pray for you. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Be healed and set free. My sister, in the name of Christ, be healed. Be healed in your body from sickness and disease and fear. Young man, young woman, be healed and set free by the power of the name of Christ. Would you put your hand on your little child or baby so I can pray for it now? Lord, let the healing virtue of Jesus, the holy child Jesus, heal this child. Heal it, Lord. Raise it up and make it whole and set it free by your power. Friends, I believe God. I feel his healing power. God's there healing you right now. Everybody, just lift your hands. Let's just praise him right now. You praise him there. And let's believe together that the mighty work is done. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Friends, I've just never been so happy in my life that I have the privilege of preaching the gospel on television. Really, I think one of the reasons God gave man the genius to invent television is for the gospel's sake. For I feel that the only way we'll ever reach the masses is through television. So I'm delighted. I'm just so grateful to God for giving us television. I'd like to take a moment and read 
some of the wonderful letters that I'm getting every day and every week. Here's one a nurse writes, Brother Roberts, I was on a case when the doctor arrived. I was watching your program from your big tent and asked the doctor to listen and to watch when you prayed for the unsaved and the sick. He was gloriously saved and feels now that he can be a better doctor. Isn't that wonderful? Another one writes, count my whole family in your million soul crusade. We were all saved while watching your program on television. Another one writes, Brother Roberts, I'm with you all the way in your million souls crusade with my support and prayers. A little boy wrote, said, Brother Roberts, I never knew God was so good before. Now that just thrills me. And friends, I'd like to say that what you see here in the big tent on television is only a part of the whole service, where I pray for many hundreds of people in each service. Also, I'm carrying on a very large ministry through correspondence and prayer. People write me, and I pray for them, and it's wonderful how the Lord is hearing and answering prayer.